We'll say good morning. Let's begin. Uh, let's begin. All right, so today's daf is Tess Zayin. We are actually beginning from the Mishnah Teslava Mabe's new parak. New parak. All right. So says the, first I want to start, the, he's not here yet, but I want to thank you, Huda Neuberger, for giving the shir while I was gone. It's always wonderful to have this chos, to have one of the b'nei chabura be able to give a share in my absence. Okay, so says the Mishnah. Ha'isha, remember, Tesvav Amud Bey's Mishnah. Ha'isha shenis armala on garsha. So woman is widowed or divorced. He omeres besula nisasani. So she claims that at the time of our marriage, I was a besula. And therefore what? And therefore entitled to 200 zuz. Vuhu omer, lo, kel amana nisasicha. And she claims that, no, he, excuse me, he claims you weren't a basula, you were an amana. And therefore, again, what's the value of your ksuva? Right, 100 zuz. However, so they're both saying, so now the shayla is, what do you do? So now you have, again, you have husbands saying that her ksuva is 100. She claiming that her husband is 200. Now the Gemara is going to ask, why don't you just look at the ksuva? So we'll discuss that. So the Mishnah says like this, here's what we do. Now this is actually going to be a very interesting Mishnah because many of the things, common practices that we do by a wedding actually come from this Mishnah. But we'll explain that in the coming days. If there is, Arthur are Adim, that she went out to her chuppah, Behinuma. Now Rashi says over here, We don't know what a Hinuma is yet. We'll find that out actually in tomorrow's daf. So if there are witnesses that she went out with a Hinuma, Virosha Parua, and her hair was uncovered, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, that her hair was down to, on her shoulders. So this is actually very interesting. So this saying that when the Basuli used to get married, <laughs> she would dafka wear her hair down at the wedding. So essentially the Gemara saying is like this. We pull out the wedding album, or of course what we do is we try to recollect to what happened at the wedding, and if there were certain Basula wedding practices that occurred, that's a right that she's a Basula. So she went out with this Hinuma, which we don't know what it is yet, or if we know there were Aiden that she went out to her wedding with her hair down, that's an indication that she's a Ksuva, therefore Ksuva Samasayim, therefore that's a Raya, that her Ksuva ultimately again is 200 Zuz. Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka, Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka says, Af Chiluk Klaios Raya. Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka says, even if they handed out parched grain, even if they handed out parched grain, so apparently, again, at the wedding of a basula, they used to go ahead and hand out, hand out parched grain. And Rabbi Yoshua agrees that what be Omer Lechavero, Sode Zu, Sode Zu Shalavicha. So, we'll say, listen to this. So, that's the first piece over here. So, Machlokus in husband and wife, if she was a basula or she was an almana at the time of the marriage. So, the Gemara seems to say, the Gemara seems to say that Lemaisa, we go ahead and we look at were there practices of a basula wedding that occurred. If so, then Lemaisa, we treat her like a basula. If not, we treat her like a bula. And that comes on Rabbi Yoshua, Mod Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua agrees. Let's listen to this interesting case. So I go over to Reuven. I say to Reuven, Reuven, I purchased this field from your father. You should know this field that I'm living on right now. It used to belong to your father. And I purchased it from him. So even Rabbi Yoshua agrees, that I am believed to make that claim. Why? Because literally the mouth, mouth that prohibited is the mouth that permitted. In other words, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Remember, when I say to Reuven, Reuven, 
Reuven, you know, this shield used to belong to your father. And now I bought it from your father. Now Reuven never knew that this shield used to be his father. I could have just as easily kept my mouth closed and no one would have known the difference. So this is the concept of the mouth that literally prohibited, i.e. the mouth that brought forward this additional information, is also the mouth that is believed to qualify that same information. But if there are witnesses that the field used to belong to Ruvain's father, and I said, oh, but I bought it from him, in that case, I'm not believed. Why? Because in that case, it's my word against two witnesses, and obviously my word against two witnesses is not going to hold too much water. Says the Gemara Taima de Ika Edim, Halaka Edim Bam Hemen. Now, what's interesting about going back to the first case, right? The couples getting divorced, woman claims that she was a, a Besula at the time of the wedding, husband claims that she was a Beula. What happened? So the Mishnah said, if she's able to bring witnesses, then we believe her. The inference from that is what? What if there are no witnesses and it's just his word against her word? It sounds like what? It sounds like we believe the husband and therefore she'll only get a Ksuba of 100 Zuz. So the Gemara says, now our Mishnah would apparently not reflect the view of Rabbi Gamliel. Why? Because I will say, remember again, this goes back to the to Friday, to Friday, Shabbos, and Sunday. No, excuse me, Sunday, Shabbos, Sunday, and Monday's daf all made reference to the ongoing machlokis between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi Gamliel was always the one who said what? That when she makes a statement, we believe her statement. And Rabbi Yoshua was the one who kept saying what? Lo mi piha anu We do not live based on her words. So based on our Mishnah, if a, meaning according to Rabbi Gamliel, if a woman were to say, I was a Basul at the time we got married, according to Rabbi Gamliel, we would believe such a claim. So the fact that we don't believe such a claim without witnesses indicates that the Mishnah does not reflect the view of Rabbi Yoshua, to which, excuse me, of Rabbi Gamliel, to which the Gemara says, "Ma filutim Rabbi Gamliel." It's not true. Our Mishnah reflect the view of Rabbi Gamliel. Why? Ad kan lo kamar Rabbi Gamliel hasam ela babari v'shema. Rabbi say, when did Rabbi Gamliel say cases say that we believe the woman? That was in a case of bari v'shema. Rabbi say, like for example, what was one of the cases? Look at Rashi. Bari v'shema. Gabi Mishairas Tani Nasti. He told Anas Barili Barilihu Vahu in Otain Ella Shema Achlo Erastik Taha Inyodea Masai Nansa. Well, says, remember again, this is the first mission that we had between Abishua and Rabbi Gamliel. Okay, get married, she's not a Basula. So she claims, she claims, I was violated after Erasin. As I left this Erison, he claims that what? Well, maybe you were violated prior, maybe, or maybe you were with a man prior to Erison. Now, if she was with a man prior to Erison, then that's called what? Then he could claim what? He can claim what? Mekartos. So we'll say, so Rabbi said, in that case, we believe her. So why do we believe her? Says the Gemara, says Rabbi Gamliel, oh, that was the case of Bari Vashema. Her claim is definitive. His claim is a maybe. Now, remember, he's not saying, I know you were with a man prior to Erison. What is he saying? He's saying, it's possible you were. Oh, that's what Rabbi Gamliel says, that Lamaisa, that Lamaisa, Bari Vishama Bari Adif, we believe the husband. However, again, Aval Hacha, Bari Ubari what's happening over here? This case of the Mishnah is a case of Bari Ubari. What's, what, because what's happening? She's saying, when we got married, I was what? I was a Basula. He's saying, when I, when we got married, you were a... Ba'ula, whatever it was, but you weren't a basula. So he's not saying maybe. He's claiming bari. She's claiming she has a definitive claim. He has a definitive claim. 
even in such a situation like that, even Rabbi Gamil, who normally believes her, believes her only when her claim is definitive and his claim is maybe. But if both of them are lodging definitive statements, then Einachinami, the only way to go and resolve this deadlock, this marital deadlock, is how? With witnesses. So the Gemara says, so the one who asked the question about Rabbi Gamliel, what was he thinking? Meaning, it seems like a pretty posh answer. Even Rabbi Gamliel would agree with the statement of the Mishnah. To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. The one who asked the question felt the following. Now, the, the, the one who asked the question about the fact that our Mishnah doesn't occur to Rabbi Gamliel, he figured like this. We have another rove. What's the rove? That the rove of women who get married are besulos. The rove of women who do get meaning most of the statistical, the most marriages are first marriages. And therefore, Lemaissa, I would have thought that because there's a rove that says that she's a besula, therefore, again, it really makes her claim like a bari and makes the husband's claim like a shema. Kamashmala nat. This appears to be clear. Midiktani, from the fact that the Mishnah said, Umod Rabbi Yoshua, that Rabbi Yoshua agrees that Rabbi Yoshua is moda. So that statement that Rabbi Yoshua agrees that the Mishnah says, Umod Rabbi Yoshua, makes sense like this. You can start like this. That there's a case where Rabbi Gamliel agrees with Rabbi Yoshua and there's a case where Rabbi Yoshua agrees with Rabbi Gamliel. When does Rabbi Gamliel agree with Rabbi Yoshua? That's the first case in the Mishnah where she definitively claims that she's a Basula. He definitively claims that she was a Ba'ula and therefore lo mi piya anuchayin we cannot just automatically proceed based on her testimony and therefore halakha lamaisa said they're in a little bit of a deadlock. So you're going to need Eidos. Then the Mishnah goes on to say, and there's a case where Rabbi Yoshua agrees with Rabbi Gamliel. And what's that case? That, that case is, is the case of the purchasing of the field. So the Gemara says, if you say that Rabbi Gamliel agrees with Rabbi Yoshua in the previous case, then it makes sense to say that, that Rabbi Yoshua agrees with Rabbi Gamliel. But if you say that Rabbi Gamliel is not agreeing with Rabbi Yoshua in the previous case, the Mishnah, Rabbi Yoshua Laman Moda, then who is Rabbi Yoshua agreeing with? To which the Gemara says, Mis do you think that Rabbi Yoshua is commenting on the previous case of the Mishnah? No. Rabbi Yoshua is actually referring back, Rabbi to the previous parak. So what does that mean? Which case is he referring to? So I'll say, so now with the Gemara, with the Mishnah, let's just pause here for just a moment. What the Gemara now is suggesting is the following. That when the end of the Mishnah says, that Rabbi Yoshua agrees in the case of where I tell Reuven, Reuven, you know, you don't know this, but this field used to belong to your father, and I bought it from him, that I am believed when I make that statement. Why? Because I pass Sha'asar, who I pass Shehitir. Now, I will say, this is a novelty when it comes to Rabbi Yoshua. Why? Because Rabbi Yoshua was recorded many times in a previous paragraph saying what? One phrase, Lo mipia anuchain, which means, just because a person says something doesn't mean I automatically believe it. you got to do better than just say it. right? You have to actively go ahead and somehow support it. So the Gemara says, so now what the Gemara is suggesting is, Rabbi Yoshua's modab is actually not connected to the first part of this Mishnah, but rather Umod Rabbi Yoshua is connected to a case in the previous parak. Which case? So if in the case that we had in the previous parak where a woman was pregnant and we asked her, who's the father? Literally, what's the nature of this of this fetus? Namely, who's the what, who's the father? Who's the father? So and she says, Me Ishploni Kohenhu, and she claims it's from so and so and he's a Kohen. Rabbi Gamil Rabbi Lazar Omrim Ne'emenes. So Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Gamil say that we believe her. 
Rabbi Yeshua Omer Lomi Piano Chayim, and Rabbi Yeshua says that we don't believe her. So even Rabbi Yeshua, who said that we don't believe her in last parak, will agree what? Agrees over here in this parak that when I make the claim about purchasing the land from Ruvain's father, that I am believed. To which the Gemara says, well, one second. Hasam my migo ego. Now, what's the migo in that previous case? That will say, remember, Hapesha Asar, who Hapesha Hitter. We're going to spend much more time on this. But that concept that the mouth that prohibits is the mouth that permits essentially is an extension of the principle of Migo. Because what does Migo say? What does Migo say? Migo says, if I make claim A, but claim B would have been even stronger, and I would have believed it, but I believe I made that claim. The fact that I made the inferior claim bolsters the veracity of that claim. So is the same idea. I come forward, I give information. I could have kept my mouth shut and no one would have known the difference. I never had to say anything about purchasing this land from Ruvain's father and no one would have ever known. When I come along and in fact introduce that information, that indicates what? That indicates that Lamaisa, I must be telling the truth. So, the, so apparently what the Gemara is trying to structure is like this. Rabbi Yoshua didn't agree with Migo in the previous parak agrees with Migo over here. But I asked the Gemara, what's the case of the Migo? What's Migo is there when she's pregnant? There's no Migo there, because what could she say? What could she say? That I never had relations with him? So again, you know, as I mentioned when we were learning this in Eretz Yisrael, you know, wrong religion. Right? If you're going to claim that you're pregnant without relations with a man, so that doesn't really fly in Judaism. Ella aha. Rather, Rabbi Yoshua must be commenting on another case. What's the case? We saw her speaking with a man. And remember, we also, we also had the Machlokis as to what Shabbos is that. What does speaking mean? What does speaking mean? So what happened? The Amrullah, we said to her, What's the story with this guy? And she claims, She claims he's a kasher. He's a kasher. Rabbi say, we believe her. And therefore, Allah we believe her. What does that mean? We believe her and therefore what? Even if we assume that she had relations with this man, she's still permitted to what? She's still permitted to marry a Kohen. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yeshua, Omer, Lomi Pionachayin. Rabbi Yeshua says, No, we do not live by her words, i.e., we don't believe her. So the Gemara says, So remember, so now what the Gemara is suggesting over here is in last parak in the Mishnah, Rabbi Yeshua said, We don't trust her words. Here we're saying, Here we're saying that what? Because why we don't trust the Migo. But here we're saying in this parak, meaning in this case of the real estate, that we do trust the words of the person making the Taina. To which the Gemara says, So what Migo is there in that previous case? So according to Ziri, who said that midabara speaking doesn't just mean speaking, but rather means seclusion. So what's the migo? Migo So the migo is what she could have said. I never had. I was alone with him. It's true, but I never had relations. But now what is she saying? She's saying I had relations, but what? But what? He's a kosher. So that's where everyone else believes in Rabbi Yeshua does not. But according to Ravasi, who says that Midaberis means she had relations with him, then what Migo is there? Remember, just keep your eye on the ball. What are we trying to figure out over here? In our Mishnah over here, in this new parak, we have a new situation now, a new situation where Lemaisa, Rabbi Yoshua, who did not believe a person's statement, even though there was a Migo, he didn't believe in the previous parak, believes the statement here in this Mishnah because there is a Migo. That Migo is called 
Hapesha Asar, who Hapesha Hitter. That's the Migo. So the Gemara is just trying to figure out. So now, and when it says Umodi Rabbi Yoshua, Modi Rabbi Yoshua, the Gemara is suggesting, is not going on this Mishnah, but Modi Rabbi Yoshua is a corollary to the Mishnah in the previous Perek, where even though Rabbi Yoshua didn't agree with Amigo in that case, but well, we have to identify what that case is, he agrees that Migo exists in this case. So what we're trying to figure out now is what is that case? So the Gemara goes, rather, there must be this case. She claims I was a Mukasei. Remember, they get married. It turns out that she's not a Basula. So what happens? She claims I'm not a Basula. Why? Because, because I'm a Mukasei. Because I was injured. It's not true. Rather, again, you had relations with a man. So Rabbi Gamliel Rabbi Lazar say that she is believed. No. We don't believe her. To which the Gemara says, well, one second. Hasam, my migo ika. So what migo is there in that particular case? Oh, so if you hold, if you hold like Rabbi Lazar, who holds, that a mukas eats, if she was a mukas eats before, before Arison, then what? Then she gets 100. But if she became a mukas eats after Arison, then she gets 200. Oh, then there's a migo. Because if she says, I was a mukas eats before Arison, she could have just as easily said what? I was a mukas eats after Arison. The fact that she said, however, that I'm a mukas eats before Arison lends veracity to her claim. Ella... Um, but according to Rabbi Yochanan, holds that every Mukasei only gets a mana. Then ultimately, again, what Migo does she have? Ella Aha. Rather, you're right, we must be referring to another case. A man married a So she claims, I was violated after Arison, and literally your field was flooded, i.e., your bad mazel. You're bad mazel. And he claims, no, you were with a man before Eresin, and therefore the whole thing is a mekachtos. say that she is believed. And Rabbi Yeshua says that, no, we do not live by her words. So the Gemara says, Demigo, what's the Migo here? Because what could she have said? She could have said, I am a Mukas Eitz. I became a Mukas Eitz after Erosin. In which case, what Rabbi say? She would not have precluded herself from ever marrying a Kohen. Because if she's violated by a man, then the Maisa, depending on the circumstances of the man, she is prohibited from marrying to the kuna. So that's the Migo. The fact that she could have said, I was a Mukas eight after Erosin, but instead I was violated after Erosin. She could have made a better claim. Meaning when she says, I was violated, she could have made a better claim, I was a Mukas eight. So that's the Migo. The fact that she made the inferior claim lends veracity to her claim. Oh, so we'll say, so here we have it. Baruch Hashem. So now the Gemara says, here's what's happening. So what happens? In the case where what happens, the man marries, marries a woman. And then it turns out that what? That she wasn't a basula. And she claims that I was violated during Arison. And he claims, no, that you, you were with a man before Arison. Therefore, it's a mekachtos. So Rabbi Gamil says, we believe the woman. Rabbi Yeshua says, lomi pia anuchayin. Now the novelty of question Rabbi Yeshua's rule is that there is still a migo there. What was the, there's a reason to believe her. What's the migo? The migo, she could have easily have said that I was a mukas eitz 
after Erisin, which would have been an incredible claim, but she doesn't make that claim. Instead, she says, I was violated after Erisin. And yet, despite that Migo, Rabbi Yeshua still does not believe her. Oh, now do a little bit of cut and paste. Says Rabbi Yoshua wraps up this conversation in this Mishnah. Umode Rabbi Yoshua. But there is a Migo that Rabbi Yoshua does agree with. That Migo is called what? That Migo is called what? Hapesha Asar, who Hapesha Hitir. There is a Migo case, i.e. in this case where I come over to him, Ruben, you're never going to believe it. You know that, you know my house? You know that piece of land I bought from your father? I bought from your father 20 years ago. Ruben says, well, I never knew that before. Says Rabbi Gamliel, says, excuse me, says Rabbi Yoshua, even I will agree that in that case, I am believed. I, I, the purchaser, am believed. Why? Because had I not said anything, I didn't have to say anything. The fact that I volunteered that information indicates or highlights or backs up the veracity of that particular claim. So says the Gemara, one second. Michti, haimigo va haimigo. Maishna haimigo me haimigo. So Gemara says, I don't understand. Amigo is amigo is amigo. So either you buy into the concept of amigo or you don't buy into the concept of amigo. So why is it that an amigo of last parak, Rabbi Yeshua doesn't agree, but an amigo of this parak, he does? Meaning, I, Rabbi Yeshua doesn't believe Migo for her to say that she was violated after Erison. But yet he does believe in the Migo over here by the real estate case. Why? Why the distinction? To which the says, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. We'll say it's a very simple distinction. Here, look at Rashi. So you say here, literally, there's no slaughtered ox. What does it mean there's no slaughtered ox? Well, slaughtered ox is this euphemism that the Gemara means that if the, if the ox is slaughtered and it's laying right in front of me, the obvious question is going to be, who slaughtered it? Meaning, there's no, like, I guess, like, I guess we'd call it contemporary, like a smoking gun, right? There's nothing to even pique one's curiosity in the real estate case. Remember, I'm living in my house, Ruben's going about his business. There's, no, there's, nothing, there's nothing that pushes this issue to the forefront as, wow, what happened over here? I could have easily just kept my mouth shut, not said anything. And had I not said anything, again, no one would have known the difference either way. Therefore, the fact that I come along and actually do say something in the, backs up the veracity of my claim. However, again, but I will say, Sir Abishul will say, no, 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 in the previous case of the Basulim, there is a smoking gun. Right? There's absolutely a smoking gun. There's a short shock of, there's a slaughter of in front of me, i.e., we've got a problem. Once we've got a problem, Rabbi Yoshua says, then you can't rely on Migo. So essentially, Rabbi Yoshua says, is I could rely on Migo essentially when, when Pesha Asara Pesha hit here, when I am the one who brought up the issue and the issue was a non issue. But if the issue is already there, front and center, then the Mais Amigo is not enough to resolve that particular issue. The Gemara goes weiter. Okay, fine. So stop. So that's it. So, we'll say, so now what we've established is so Mishnah accomplished on part one. We now understand the Mishnah. That Modi Rabbi Yoshua is actually not related to the first part of the Mishnah, but instead Modi Rabbi Yoshua is related to the previous parak. That even though Rabbi Yoshua made it sound like I never hold of Migo, it's not true. There is a case of Migo that he subscribes to, namely Hapesha Asar, 
Hu even Rabbi Yeshua. Now, so now you understand a fundamental dispute. You have Rabbi Gamliel who says, I always believe Migo. I always believe Migo. And yet, that's, that's ultimately what fuels the Ne'emanus. That and Chazaka. It's not just Migo, it's also Chazaka that allows Rabbi Gamliel to say we believe the woman. Rabbi Yeshua says, I reject the notion of Migo, essentially, when there's a short shakat, when there's a slaughtered ox. When we win, it's clear that we have a problem. Migo is not enough to resolve the problem. But when there was no problem at all and somebody brought new information to the forefront, then I will believe that Migo allows for the resolution of that case. Good. Right there. So let's go back for a second. Let's go back to the first case in the Mishnah. That remember, again, first case in the Mishnah said, she's claiming she was a Basula at the time of the marriage. He's claiming that she was a Baula. So now what happens? Now what happens? So the Mishnah said that they have to bring Eidos. So the Gemara said, I don't understand. Let's say there is no Eidos. Even the absence of Eidos. Why don't I rely on the rove? The rove is that the majority of women get married as Besulos. So why doesn't the rove dictate that in a situation of dispute, Lemaisa, we will assume that Halacha Lemaisa, she is a Besula. To which the Gemara says, Amor Avino, Mishum Besulos Nisos, Umiot Amanos. Oh, because although it's true that there is a rove of women who get married as a Besula, there's also a miot of women who get married as Amanos, i.e. second marriages, and watch this, and whoever gets married as a besula has a call. Meaning that there's a call that goes out. There's there is meaning it's spoken as something that now this Rashi says, Yeshla the Harbe Yodim So also also understand, and the truth is this is true today also. Obviously, first marriages are a much bigger deal than second marriages, just even in the scope of the simcha that's made, right? People make a much bigger deal for a first marriage than they do for a second. So what happens? That's what it means by a call. Everybody's there. People remember what the kala looked like. Remember, again, we'll also see later on, they used to walk the kala from her father's home. It's not like today where everybody shows up at a hall. They used to walk the kala from her father's home. So the chassan's home was a big deal that has a call. Now, this woman, is one thing that she clearly misses, which she clearly does not have, which is what? She doesn't have a call. There's no call, meaning there's no one who remembers her wedding. And there's no one who remembers her hinuba, whatever that is. And no, one remembers, no one remembers her going out with her hair down. So you put this all together, and what happens? The absence of a call, therefore, islila ruba. Therefore, her rove, her rove is damaged, or her rove is diminished. Not damaged, is a better word. Her rove is um, mitigated. Compromised. Oh, the rove is compromised. Thank you. So because the rove is compromised, I need Eidos in order to bolster claim that, she's a, that she is an Amana. That she's a Pesul, excuse me. Ikal, and he says Pesul, yeshla kol. So I don't understand. If that's the case, that when every woman gets married as a Pesul, there's a kol. Ki asu eidim mayhavi. Right? Say, so who cares? Even if witnesses show up, we shouldn't believe them. Why? We should say, Hanach sahadi shakrin in the Listen to how this is amazing. Right? So look what the Gemara says. Okay. So you're telling me now that when a Pesul gets married, there's a kol. So I'd say like this. So now witnesses show up and say that she was a basula when she got married. I'd say like this. Maybe they're false witnesses. Why are they false witnesses? Why are they false witnesses? Why are they false witnesses? What happens? I'm gone for a week and this is what happens over here, right? So because what happens? Because if they were real witnesses, then what? If, then there should have been a call. I mean, it's a little bit of circular logic. What it's saying is that if, if she really was a basula, then there should have been a call. And if there's not a call, then what? Then she's not a basula. And therefore, even if witnesses show up and say she was a basula, perhaps you shouldn't believe them because there is no call. To which the Lord says, Oh, Rov Hani says, Basul Yeshla call. 
Look, obviously, there are situations where people forget, or perhaps it was a smaller wedding, or it was a family that was new to town. So yes, the majority of women who get married are besulos, and the majority of besulos who get married have a call. But what? But there are, it's not impossible to have a case of a woman who's a besula who didn't have a call, and therefore the mice, again, if you don't have a call, we can't automatically, therefore, assume you are a besula based on the rove, but if you bring testimony to bolster your claim that you are a basula, then lemaisa again you are believed. So go right there. So we'll say, say again that second piece over here. So now we understand over here that we have a chazaka. The chazaka is rove women get married as a basula. And also, if you get married as a basula, the assumption that there's a call. However, again, what the Mishnah teaches me is the absence of a call. This is very important. The absence of a call doesn't automatically say that a woman is what? Is not a basula. All it says is that for whatever the reason, there is no call. And therefore, Lemaisa, I will need Adam to back up that claim. Says the Gemara, So I'll say, remember, we're not defining what Hinuma is yet. All we're saying is one of the ways in which you could attest to the fact that a woman got married as a basula is if she went out with a Hinuma. We'll say maybe she'll do the following. So remember, so remember, this case of the Mishnah only gets off the ground if what? If she can't produce a ksuva. Because obviously, if you have a ksuva, everything is written in the ksuva itself. So let's say in the event that she can't produce a ksuva. So she shows up and says, you owe me 200 zuz. He says, no, you weren't a basul when we got married. You were a bulu's second marriage. She only owe you 100 zuz. So why don't we, perhaps you should be concerned over here that what? She really does have the ksuva. And what is she going to do? What is she going to do? She's going to bring witnesses in this basin, witnesses in this basin over here, that she got married. Now I will say, now I want to be clear on this case. Let's say she really was a basula when she got married. She really was a basula. So she's going to produce witnesses that she was a basula when she got married over here. And then what? Poof, what's going to materialize in the next town? Her ksuva. Right, she claims right now, I can't find my ksuva. Let's say she really has it. She's going to produce Adam here. She's going to collect 200 of those. And then the next town, she's going, to, she's going to pull out her ksuva, her document. And if she's in possession of the ksuva, that usually indicates that what? That she has not yet collected. She's not been paid. And she'll collect double. To which the Gemara says, So Rabbi Avao says, Oh, you see from here that what? That we write receipts. We write receipts. So I so said, listen to this. Now we'll get to this in the, is this, is it Bob Metziah? Yeah, Bob Astro will see this. So this was alluded to in other Masechah. So I will say, this is actually very interesting. This is Machlokis as to whether or not we write receipts. We write receipts. Now remember, the receipt over here would be given to the person who paid, right? A receipt that I've paid the ksuva already. And I'll say, now there's a machlokis, whether or not we write receipts. So you say to yourself, what would be the downside of writing receipts. So we'll say, imagine back in the, before the digital age, right? So what is the biggest challenge? Paper. Keeping paper records. Keeping paper records is an incredible... Was, was, no, that was right also. That was right also. Right. Right. That was excellent. It was excellent. Right. So, so the idea is keeping paper records. Because what happens if there's a fire or something? So the, the Gemara brings down... So there's a machok. It's writing shover, not writing shover. Because although it sounds like a great idea to write a receipt, it then becomes the achrayas of the person who paid to forever watch that receipt, which is now a huge responsibility because now the mice, so what comes up is if I can't produce that receipt, 
then I'm on the hook to potentially pay again. So the Gemara says, you see from here, the only way, therefore, to guard against her miraculously finding her ksuva, and once again what? And once again, going out and collecting is to write a shover, which is, which is a huge responsibility on the husband. So the Gemara says, Rav Papa, no. Rav Papa says, what's the case over here? Listen to this. Oh, the case of the Mishra Rabosa is talking about a situation where a city where they didn't write ksuvas. I will say we're going to learn about this much more extensively. There were cities in which they didn't write ksuva documents. Why don't you write? Now, again, I will say because it's not a big deal. It's either 200 or 100. That's it. So they had aid them about if she was a basula or not a basula, but they didn't write ksuva documents. If that's the case, they didn't write ksuva documents to Rabosa, then again, there is no ability for her to go to the next town and collect again based on producing a document for the simple reason that what? There is no document. The Ika de Masnila Abraisa. So I will say again, some explain. If you look at Rashi for just a moment, Rashi is over here. Rav Papa Amar, the Olam in Kosvin. Right? We're not, we don't write, we don't write a shover. Remember, documents are made on parchment. Parchment was often nibbled on by mice. So Rav Papa says, no, we don't make him write a shover. So what happened? In a place where they didn't write a shover, so you know what happened? They tore up the document. As soon as a person paid off the debt, the document was torn up and if you can't produce if you can't produce a document of collection nothing doing so in a situation therefore where she doesn't have a ksuva where there's no document the most she can go ahead is go ahead and collect once Rashi says the place where they don't write a ksuva rather we simply rely on the conditions of basin so therefore in this case if not writing a ksuva the most she can collect is once, and that's going to be it. To which the Gemara says, um, fine, we got I'm sorry, I just lost the place. So, so I'll say this previous discussion was focused on the Mishnah. Others have the same discussion, but they root it in a brisa. What did the brisa say? If lost her ksuva, or hit or she hit her ksuva, our ksuva was burnt. And now what's the shayla? The shayla is, she claims that she is entitled to 200 zuz. He claims that she's only entitled to 100 zuz. So what do we do? So listen to this. So also we're going to learn about all of this in depth. This is going to be tomorrow's death. Because I just want to tell you, don't miss tomorrow. Really, like I'm just telling you that. I say that like, every day is like a gold mine, but tomorrow, I don't want to give it away. But, but you'll, you'll trust me on this. So the Gemara says, I'm sorry? It's, the, it's mamish. It's like, it's, yeah. I, I can't even put it into words. So the rest of the following. So let's say now, what happens? The ksuva is gone, and we don't know what to go ahead and do now. So what do we do? Again, we look at the circumstances of the wedding. Rakdu lefaneha. If they danced before the, the kala, ketzer mirakdin lifnea kala. That's tomorrow. Right? So again, if they danced before the kala, sachakul lefaneha. What's is amazing? They did wedding shtick at the time of the Gemara also. It's interesting that so much stuff, even the shtick, right, has its sources, has its sources already times of the Gemara. They brought before her, literally on both sides, this, we're going to get into this more in tomorrow. This is the cup of Besora. Now, now this you will not see today. Rashi says, This was like a lechayim to the fact that she was a Besula. So like I said, you won't see that. And if you do see it, put a stop to it very quickly. But, but they used to make, also understand, it's just different, just different societal circumstances. Meaning you see over here, it's clear that people spoke about certain things that today people just don't speak about. 
So if they brought her the basula lechayim, o mapa shel basulim, or they had the cloth. This is this is obviously this is producing actual evidence. Someone had the wedding night sheet, which had the blood of the basulim. Im yeshla edim be'echamikol elu. Say she's able to produce that they didn't bring to the wedding. That's not it's, it's mixing and matching. That's saying remember they we saw that before they would keep that sheet. They would keep that sheet as evidence of the fact that she was a basula. If she could produce witnesses that any of these things happened, they danced before me, I drank the basula l'chaim, or somebody has the sheet, then what? Then a but maybe I should be choshish. That's what. Maybe she's going to produce witnesses in this basin, and then what? She claims she doesn't have her ksuva, but then miraculously she's going to find her ksuva in the next town. She's, she's going to collect based on witnesses in this town and based on her ksuva in the next town. To which the Gemara says, So, oh, what do you see from here? It's also Meris. Oh, so it must be that we write a receipt. Therefore, after she collects, based on the witnesses in this town, that we write a receipt to the husband saying that he has paid the Ksuva, and therefore nothing else to talk about. She can't collect again, even if she miraculously finds her Ksuva in the next town. But the Gemara says, here's the problem. I will say the problem over here is that if you say that you write a, you write a shovel, you write a receipt, that's an incredible responsibility upon the husband. Rav Papa, Rav Papa says, no, nope, not true. We're talking about a place where they don't write a ksuva. Because that Rav Papa how could that be? If now, remember, when Rav Papa says that we don't write a ksuva, then Lamaisa, what that means is, the only way for her to collect is with witnesses. And therefore, again, she cannot go ahead and collect a second die by producing a document. And I will say, and I will discuss, there is a way that she could collect. How could she collect? She could pay off witnesses. And I will say, you know, it's very important in any legal system, you know, you can never fully protect anyone against absolute fraud. If somebody is intent on defrauding another party, there is no legal mechanism that can prevent that. Meaning if somebody's going to be, you know, uh, an often a liar, and somebody's going to be an explicit law, you can't, you can't protect against that. So a legal system has to, can only work with normal people. But we'll come to that. So the Rapapa therefore said, oh, we're talking about a place where they don't write a ksuva. So they're going to say, how can you say it? The Braissa said, <laughs> but the Braissa said that she lost her ksuva. She lost her ksuva, obviously there was one written. The of la'ihu, uh, because we're talking about a case where even though it was a locale that they don't normally write a ksuva, he wrote a ksuva for her. He wrote a ksuva for Nabosa, and you could have that. A man could willingly write a ksuva, even if the general, even if the general um, custom was not to write a ksuva. The Gemara says, but one second. Sof, sof, mafkala, vagavia, ba. So which the Gemara says, but one second, if that's the case, then Lamaisa, we're back to our previous question, which is she can collect twice. To which the Gemara says, no, 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 my ivda, what's the case of ivda where it was lost? Ivda ba'ar, it was lost in the fire, therefore there's no possibility of collection. Ihachi, hainu nisrafa. But if that's the case, then you have two repetitive cases, right, of Nisrfa and Ibda. Furthermore, again, what do you do with the case of Hitmina? It says that she hid it. So what's there to talk about? Rather, any case of where she lost it is like a case of where? Of where? Of where she hid it in our presence. To which the Gemara says, and we will not give her anything until witnesses come forward and say that the Ksuva ultimately is lost. So I'll say, if you look at Rashi for just a moment, 
Kol ibda kemishit mina befaneinu dami. Anytime she lost her ksuba, as if she hid it in our, in our presence. Velo gavya, never she can collect. Vahachi katani. This is what it means to say. Ibda ksuvasa, hit mina ksuvasa, nisrafak ksuvasa, imroktu lufaneha, vahachi perusha, amra avad shtar ksuvasa, haru kemoshe hit mina ksuvasa befaneinu, kedei lahotzi v'legvaz pam shniya. Ve'eno gove klum, ele imkin tavi ashtar, vim amra nisrafa v'yesh, edim shen nisrafa, tahash talekel amechash lamidi, tavi edim shak talefana, so basa, Listen to this. According to this Bryce, what the Bryce is saying is, if we know she had a document, but she's claiming the document is gone, it's gone, then Lamaisa, what? She cannot collect anything until she produces the document. But if Lamaisa, she goes ahead and she claims that the document was destroyed, then Enachinami, she will be believed once she is able to produce witnesses. So the Gemara says, so, so it appears that we have the same basic ruling, but one attached to the Brisa, one attached to our Mishnah. So the one who framed this discussion as, as part of the Brisa will certainly agree that it applies to the Mishnah as well. But the one who had this discussion, as it applies to the Mishnah, will not agree with the version of the Brisa. Why? Because all of the questions that we raised, i.e. the repetitive nature of that b'risa in terms of ibda and hitmina. Let's go a little bit weiter, and then I want to do one piece of halacha before we end. So remember again, now what, so what did the Mishnah say? So in this situation where there is no ksuva, there is no ksuva, the ksuva is gone, and she claims that she was a basula, he claims that she was a baula, there's no document, so what does the Mishnah say? She has to produce witnesses. So the Gemara says, I don't understand, why don't we say, to which the Gemara says, why aren't we concerned that perhaps what? Perhaps she, she's going to produce these Edehinuma in this basin and then produce the same Edehinuma in another basin. Why, why don't we be concerned about that? I Meaning also what the Gemara is asking over here is you make it sound like the only time she can perpetrate fraud is when? Is when is on Lamaisa again, she has a ksuva, but it's not true. She could perpetrate fraud even with who? With the witnesses, right? She could, she could make a very good business proposition with these witnesses. Let's go town to town, we'll keep claiming the ksuva, and what? We'll split it. We'll split it. So, how do we prevent against that? To which the Gemara says, You're right, Enochinami. The Gemara says, you know what? You're absolutely right. Obviously, as much as we are against writing a receipt, because writing a receipt places an incredible onus upon the husband, but again, where there is no choice but to write a receipt, then of course we will do that. So I'll say, we'll stop over here for today. They say, Let me just read to you one important halacha, just so we get a little bit of halacha in this sugya. So this is an Evan Ezer, Simen Sadik Vav, Sif Tes Vav. So the Shukhanar Paskin is the following. He says, Mishahaya Nasui, Mishahaya, I'm sorry, wrong halacha. He omeres besula nisasani. She claims, she claims that she was a besula. She got married to him as a besula. And what happens? Uksuvasa masayim. And my ksuva therefore is 200 zuz. Vavbal ola yarshim omrim lo kela amano. Ksuvasa nevda. I'm sorry, ela ki amano. So we'll say, that's our Mishnah. She claims it was a besula. And I was entitled to 200 zuz. He claims, no, you're an amano or a grusha. And your ksuva is only 100 zuz. And what happens? Vaksuva nevda. Omimakum shen kosin ksuva. So we'll say, so let's say again, the ksuva is gone. Either the ksuva is gone because they live in a place where they don't write ksuvas, or more, more likely is what? She lost the document. So what do we do? So how do we resolve this case? Afilu, afilu. 
היה קטן כשרה אידוס, ועכשיו הוא גדול, ויש אחר אימא מהני, ואם אסר בו סי, so what do we say? If there's testimony, if there are witnesses that say that she was a basul at the time of her marriage, i.e., meaning it's circumstantial evidence, she went down with her hair down, or she wore the hinuma, which you don't even know what that is yet, or they, they gave up parched grain, if there are two witnesses to testify that she was a basul at the time of her wedding, meaning, remember, all they know is that it was the wedding of a basula, then they are believed. But listen to this chiddish. The chiddish is, even if one of those witnesses was a katan at the time of the wedding, and now he's a gadol when he's testifying. I will say, normally, you are not believed to testify about things that you observed as a child, as an adult. Here, the chiddish is that even if one of the witnesses, you need one kasha witness, but even if one of the witnesses testifies that I was a kid, I was a flower, flower girl, let me get out, is there a flower boy? Oh, hopefully not. Or hopefully not. It's not good. Right? So, so again, you know, I was the ring bearer. Whatever it was, I was there as a kid, and now he's a godl. He's believed as well. However, he says, They can't produce any witnesses. Then the halacha is, Then ultimately, again, she is only entitled to collect the money. So, so we paskin pretty much like the Tanakhama in the Mishnah, that in the absence of a ksuva, you have to produce Edim. But remember, all these Edim need to attest to is that we remember that they were besula that this was a Basula-like wedding. We saw things at the wedding normally associated with the wedding of Basula. That will allow her to collect 200 Zuz. Absence of that Eidos, she only collects 100 Zuz.